0: This for several years to all read together a book in the Bible, and this year it's going to be the Gospel of Mark. So uh, that'll begin all the 3Ds. Those of you that get the 3D devotions, they'll all be on Mark, and, and Tyler and I are going. Our plan is to preach from the Book of Mark during the season of Lent. So please notice that announcement. Hope you'll enter, you know, enter into that and be a part of that. This morning I do want to talk about Valentine's just for a little bit, as oftentimes does we we sermonize the sermon and. We do the best we can. And sometimes the Lord changes directions. We try to stick with the Word of God, which is what we're supposed to do. And I do want to mention about Valentine's Day and love and heaven, but it did take a turn or two as the last week. Some things changed as I'm going to share. And I'm hoping they'll all come together and make sense at the end of this sermon. I hope that you will be reminded that God has created a place called heaven, and He wants you to go, and I want you to go. So I'm going to share with you how you you to miss out on it. It's a tremendous place. That part of it we're given some details we're going to look at today. But it's going to be a wonderful place far beyond what we can comprehend. I hope you're planning on going forever. So home and love and heaven is the title of the sermon. But Valentine's Day is of course February the 14th. Our daughter Audra, my son-in-law Blake, they are great with child. She is due Valentine's Day saw him last night. I kissed my daughter's belly and said hello to my grandson. Hopefully he'll be here coming soon. But anyway, Valentine's Day, joyful, fun day for a lot of people. For some people it's not. It's a tough day. So I'm going to share some things today that may hit close to home. Maybe some of you that are having some marital problems, Uh, I ask God's grace and love and blessing on you. Some days like this make it tougher. Perhaps you're a student and you're dating right now and you're struggling with whether or not to get a Valentine gift for your Valentine, or should you or not? How long have you been dating long enough? I had two girlfriends in elementary school at Ivy. That's tough. Eight, nine years old. Sally Farr and uh, Sally Far and Carrie Robinson. They were my two girlfriends, and I always had to get two gifts. And all. So it was a struggle. I understand. So some of you, Valentine's Day is exciting for some, but it's tough for others. Perhaps even painful. So I ask God's grace and love on him, whatever it may say. I want to go back to a Valentine's Day for my wife and I. On December the 12th, 1975, was my wife's first date with me. And she's the one who asked me out. I've shared this with y'all before. wall High School, I'm standing there at break, and this good-looking, blonde-headed, by the way, she's still good-looking, this my wife comes over and invites me, and I'd known her since third grade, but we had never dated or anything, but she asked me out on a date, and it was December the 12th, 1975, and we went to her church, Bethlehem Baptist Church. We went to a youth Christmas party at her church, and by the way, her church is located in a suburb in Gallant, Alabama. It's around Gallant, suburb down there. It's so... uh, she approached me, and I said yes, and uh, we've been extremely blessed. I, I pretty much knew from the time I was 16 who I was going to marry, and we were blessed with that. You may have had that in your life as well. I hope you have, but we were. She is the bride of my youth, And uh, but I went to that Valentine's banquet, and that is kind of our Valentine's Day. I remember that date to this day. I usually get her something. On December the 12th, 1975, I've always remembered it. Now, it's usually less than $1,000. Starbursts don't cost that much and Skittles, but I get her something just to remind her of that day and thank her for asking me out on a date. While we were dating, pushing on into 1976, I went down to her church, Gallup Baptist Church down there at Bethlehem. She sang a song that morning called "Wayfaring Stranger." I'm gonna make a point out of all this. I promise. Just stay with me. I'm gonna share with you some of the lyrics in just a moment. But I went there, you know, to worship the Lord, not just to see Lana. Yo, know, I I went to see her. I didn't go to worship the Lord. Okay, man, y'all are all like, "Wow, way to go!" You know, I was there to see her. I'm telling you, that's why I was there. But she sang "Wayfaring Stranger," As it happened past Saturday, I had a funeral. Carmen McKibbin's grandmother passed away. I'd never met the woman in my life. Her grandmother grew up and lived in Kentucky. But the pastor who was supposed to do it got sick, was not able to be there. I got called on a Friday evening, could you do the funeral tomorrow? Well, the daughter, Lori, which is Carmen's mom, I said, tell me something about your you, mama. and one thing she said was mama loved bluegrass music, and she loved Bill Monroe. I didn't know who Bill Monroe was. So I looked it up on the Internet, and I put in bluegrass, gospel, Bill Monroe, and the first YouTube song that came up was Wayfaring Stranger. I gathered on my mind, I decided to tie it in with a sermon this morning, and I'll share the lyrics with you that talk about going home one day. Regarding love and home about Valentine's, let me share this with you, that in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, I want to challenge the husbands here this morning. In Ephesians five, it speaks to the wives and it speaks to husbands and it speaks to a roles and orders of which God has established. Has nothing to do with superiority. Has to do with the roles that God has established. But tremendous responsibility upon the husband. And I'm sharing this with my wife here. And I'll just go ahead and confess, I haven't done exactly what God's asked me to do. So I want to challenge the men. If we could do what God has asked us to do here, it would revolutionize our homes. Our country, our nation, families, establishment. This is part of Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. Oh, my goodness, husbands. What a challenge. I I want you to love your wife as Jesus Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. that wasn't enough, Verse 28 in Ephesians 5, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. It's an interesting way to put it. God blesses that and honors that. Nine times in Ephesians 5, it mentions to the husband you're to love your your wife. What a a tremendous goal that God has given us. And it will never change. It will read that way next week. I'm telling you, with God's help, and we've got, men, we've got to have God's help. We've got to have God's grace. We've got to know what the Word says in order to love our wives in the way that Christ has loved our church. I, I challenge you with that. That's one sermon just for the guys, you husbands. Love your wives as Christ has loved the church. I want to link into that as we talk about heaven to share with you a story that Jesus was confronted with in Matthew 22 got part of it up on the screen, but let me paraphrase to you. The Sadducees came to Jesus in Matthew 22. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They knew the Old Testament, they knew the Pentateuch, but they didn't believe that people would rise again. And so they were going to question Jesus and try to trick Him. So they said to this, Jesus, let's say that a a wife is married to her husband and her husband dies. According to Moses and the law of Moses, then the, the next hu- husband in line would be that brother. He would have to marry her. And let's just say, Jesus said, that all seven brothers died. Now, I'm thinking that fifth or sixth brother by then would have figured it out. This ain't going to be good to marry this woman. But nonetheless, all seven of them died. This is the story. This is They're going to trick Jesus with this. So all seven husbands have died. So when they get to heaven, whose husband will be? The husband of that wife. Jesus' answer is found in Matthew 22. Jesus' answer said to them, You are mistaken because you don't know the Scriptures nor the power of God. That's important for us too. We need to know the Scriptures and we need to know the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. It doesn't say that we're like angels. We're still who we are. We're given a glorified body. Paul talks about it in Corinthians. But marriage is not going to be the same way. And Jesus said, like that, like the angels who do not marry, you won't be giving in marriage and marriage in heaven. Then he goes on to say, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read, which he knew they had read, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. But he's the God of the living. We had a funeral the other day. And Tyler prayed. And I was sitting right here. And I, I remember being affirmed in my my spirit when he prayed. And part of the prayer was God remind us that we are, are the God of the living. Not the God of the dead. And I was, Amen. When was the concept. Of eternal life first given to human beings. I sent out the 3D. Harry Vance asked me this question Wednesday night. This is kind of another turn in my sermon. I'd already picked the Scripture in Job, but I went back and I thought about that. When did humans first get the concept that this is not all there is, that there's something after this? Well, I want to go to, first of all, to the book of Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, oftentimes read as a service in death and resurrection. It's the scripture that says there is a time to be born and there is a time to die. There is a time to plant there is a time to harvest that which is planted. There is a time to, to laugh and there is a time to cry. You know the passage. In that text, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has made everything beautiful in its time, but also God has put eternity in their hearts Except that no one, no human can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. He is Alpha and He is Omega. But yet He has put eternity in their hearts. you understand what that's saying? There is something within us as humans to know. This is not all there is. And in fact, think about this. Worldwide, all religions around the world, all cultures of almost all of them, all around the world, have some understanding of, of something in the hereafter. There's some kind of afterlife. I realize there may be a few, but I'm talking about a huge number. Have this built into them. And I believe part of it is simply because God put it there. I went back and did a little more research in the book of Genesis. This statement is found several times. This is in Genesis 49 33. And when Jacob had finished commanding his sons, the Bible says that he drew his feet up into his bed And he breathed his last and was gathered to his people. That phrase, gathered to his people, is mentioned several times in the book of Genesis. Already that understanding of there's something after this. Then I do want you to see the, the scripture that I chose in the book of Job. Job 19th chapter. Most scholars believe that Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. Some don't. But nonetheless, it's one of the oldest books in the Bible. That's true. Listen to what Job said. Job's the one who suffered so much. But he made this statement which is really prophetic about things that were to come. This is in Job 19, verse 25. For I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he, that is my Redeemer, shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know then in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me for this. There's something within us that knows that there's something after this. Job knew it. It was built into him. Paul said it even when he was about to die in 2 Timothy. You remember when he was about to... Tradition has it that he was beheaded. But you remember Paul said my departure is at hand. Those are dying words. My departure is at hand. i fought a good fight. I've I've kept the faith. I've run the race. I've kept the course. Remember when he said that? But he said, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the judge will give me in that day. And not only to me, Paul said, but to all who love his appearing. I'm, I'm excited about Jesus coming back. He's been preparing a Built in within us. And Job knew it. I know that my Redeemer lives. I shared with you earlier. Again a passage that's often used. At a service of death and resurrection. And I've used it at many of your loved ones. It's in the book of Revelation. It just gives us a glimpse and a taste of this place. That we're going to get to go to. Revelation 21. 2-5. through five, And I John I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. It was prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I'm going to make all things new. And he said to me, "Right, for these words are true, and they are faithful. I've got so many questions about heaven. And in my mind, I can only let my imagination run in between the lines. Because we live in a world that has pain in it. We've all wept. No more death. I want to go where I don't ever have to preach another funeral. No more death. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more crying. All former things have passed away. So our minds, which are geared to those things, it's hard for us to imagine. Oh, my goodness, God, how good that could be. No pain. No anxieties. No worry. Completely gone. And then he adds, I'm just going to make everything new. We can only imagine that. But he gives us some description of the way this can be. I want you to go there. I want you to go there. Do you know how to get there? Let me share with you the words from Wayfaring Stranger. It's an American folk song. We don't know who wrote it. It originated probably in the early 19th century. And as with folk songs, Sometimes there's many variations and sometimes the lyrics are a little bit different and so is the tune. But this is this is the tune that the bride of my youth sang on that Sunday in 1976. I'll give you just one or two lines. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger In this old world here below Any of you, know, you heard it? That's all I'm going to sing. Because the latter part has got real high, and I can't get that high, but she can. I'm traveling through this world below. There is no sickness, toil, nor danger in that bright world to which I go. I'm going there to see my father. I'm going there no more to Rome. I'm just going over Jordan. I'm just going over home. I know dark clouds shall gather o'er me. I know my pathway's rough and steep. Talking about here, but golden fields lie before me, where weary eyes no more shall weep. I'm going there to see my mother said she'd meet me when I come. Verse 3, I, I want to sing salvation's story in concert with a blood-washed band. I want to wear a crown of glory when I get home to that good land. I'm going there to see my brothers. They pass before me one by one. Last verse, I'll soon be free from every trial. This form will rest beneath the sod. I'll drop the cross of self-denial and I will enter in my home with God. I'm going there to see my Savior who shed for me His precious blood. I'm just going over Jordan. I'm just going over home. We do get a lot of our theology about heaven from the hymns and songs that we sing. I want to ask you something. What if, what if there were no reference about heaven and all in the Bible. You'd have to cut out quite a bit, but no references all in, the, in about heaven. How much hope would that take away from you? How much hope would that take away from us if, if there was no mention of eternal life, no mention of an afterlife, no mention of heaven? Would we have an assurance of eternal life if it was never mentioned? I say that just to remind you, God wants us to go there. The disciples were wrestling with the fact that Jesus kept saying, I've got to die, and I'm going to go away. They didn't want him to leave. They wanted to set up his kingdom right then, and of course I I wish he had him. I wish that was established, but that's not the way he did it. Jesus said something to them in John the 14th chapter, and again it gives us a glimpse of the way things are going to be. Jesus said to the disciples in John 14, he reminds us, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, then believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Greek translates it, some translations, into many dwelling places. So again, our imagination. Jesus said, I go to my Father's house, many mansions. And he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for kind of place is He prepared for you? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then He said, I will come again. I will receive you to Myself. That where I am, you may be also. And Where I go, you know. And the way you know. Y'all know I preached on this before. Sheila made reference to it. Because Thomas said, Lord. This is the way he put it. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. And how can we know The way. What a great question. Jesus said, Thomas, he's saying to you and I, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one shall come unto the Father except through me. Recently I shared with you that I witnessed to a man, but not just me, his cousins, his family had been praying for, they'd been witnessing to him. I just got to have the icing on top of the cake. I got to be there in the moment and prayed with him to receive Christ, and I shared this passage said I'm the way the truth and the life he said I want that I want to go see this place he's prepared for me and I said why don't we pray he received Christ asked Christ into his heart week or so later one of the cousins called me and said he he wants you to come back would you come back and talk with him he's still in the hospital and I said sure and after we talked for a while I held his hand I I said I'm gonna pray with you but before I pray I'm gonna I'm just gonna say the the 23rd Psalm out loud Let that lead into our prayer. He said, yeah, his voice is weak. But I could hear him as I closed my eyes and I started repeating the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want I could hear him saying it. By the way, the most important word in the 23rd Psalm is the word my. when you can say it and you can claim, my shepherd. He's my shepherd. We got down to the last verse and I could hear him repeating it. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You remember what the last line is? But let's say we we can't say it because it's what it wasn't in the Bible about eternal life. Remember what King David said? I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? David said, I'm going. I've had relationship with him. and in the green pastures with him i walked beside still water he restored my soul but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever I want you to go home I want to go home you can imagine what it would be like but we too because of Jesus Christ can say I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever I highly recommend I know i preached two or three sermons, but let me pull it back to love and heaven and home. Because God loves us, He has created heaven for us, a place that He calls home. And He wants you to come home. Let's pray together. God, we love you today. We praise you today. Remind us this Valentine's Day and all this week and remind us that every day we are loved by our Maker. God, remind us also you've created a place for us called heaven, and we get to go home. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning, they've never made that decision, even right now in this moment, they just say, Jesus, forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart. I want to make sure I'm going home. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing the closing.